If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Psalm 128. Psalm 128, and we'll begin there in just a few moments. Well, just like Mother's Day, it was raining. God knows best. Father's Day, it's raining, okay? So it uh, has to, have to be equal there, right? And so, uh, fathers, I'm sorry it's raining, but I uh, hope you still enjoy your day anyway. You know, I think a lot of you men are scared this morning. For some reason, I guess you think that I'm going to beat you up or something. I don't know if that's a trend that I have set the last few years on Father's Day where I've praised the mothers and kind of, as one man asked me this morning, are you going to praise us or are you going to blast us? And so, you know what, I'm going to let you be the judge of that as we go on uh, through the sermon. And so, I thought about taking a vote this morning and uh, letting the women decide if we should praise or blast. And then uh, a very dear friend of mine, our worship leader, reminded me in class this morning, why would he blast us? He's one of us. He's on our team. So that, that, Alan, thank you. I mean, that really puts the pressure on me now. And so, um, but we'll see. You know, I say this at all the holidays, and I want to remind you this morning where my heart is. With this being Father's Day, I know for a lot of us in this room, this is a wonderful day. This is a great day to celebrate with our fathers. For some, this is a very hard day because maybe you don't have the pleasant memories with your father as others do. Maybe your father... Uh, passed on from this life many years ago. I don't know what the case is, but I know this. My heart is with everybody in this room, wherever you are. And beyond that, God is with us. Alan, thank you for leading us in worship this morning with songs that have reminded us of how great our God is. And man, I want to tell you this. When you can capture the fact and you can live out in your life how great is our God, what a Father's Day that will be. What a message that will send to your spouse, to your children, to everybody in the world that here is a man of God that recognizes how great a God that we have. That is always good news. I want to tell you, I'm pretty excited this morning because as I was growing up, I always experienced Father's Day with my father. Had to, living in his house. Here we go, right? Well, college hits and I become a minister and so from about the age 20 till about the age that I am right now, 43 years old, The past 23 years, I think Dad and I can count on our fingers how many times we have spent with each other on Father's Day because we're in our pulpits preaching to other fathers. And so, Dad, I want you to know this morning, I'm glad you and Mom are here, and I want to wish you a happy Father's Day because I don't get to do that in a public way uh, from the pulpit very often And uh, Dad decided a few years ago, you know what? 
I'm going to start taking off on Father's Day. And now that he's nearing retirement, he begins uh, to get that bright idea, right? And so, uh, but Dad, I'm glad you're here. And I just want to wish you a happy Father's Day. And uh, I have been blessed and continue to be blessed every day with a great dad. And what makes him a great dad is he serves a great God. And he has modeled before me and my family and his children that God is number one. And man, when you can get that down, everything else will fall into place. So when you look back in the days of Genesis, godly fathers and husbands were the leaders, they were the priests, they were the prophets of their homes. And so when they announced or pronounced a blessing or a curse, those blessings or curses carried weight with God. And they realized that. And so these fathers spoke, and guess what? Things happened. You see, when you're in love with God, and you recognize how great God is, when you speak, things will happen. And things will happen because you in your life, men, are in tune with your Heavenly Father. I believe God has told us the stories of these men and their families so that we would see the powerful influence that godly fathers and husbands can have in their homes. And so here's what Psalm 128 does. It repeats a very common theme in Scripture. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's something that I want you to take note of. Psalms 126, 127, and 128 carry a big theme And even though there's not very many words in those chapters, one of the themes that really stands out in Psalms 126 through 128 is this. Unless the Lord builds the house. And men, that phrase is upon our shoulders to carry that out. It's on our shoulders to model that and to be the example of that to our wives and our children to understand that unless the Lord builds the house. That's a common theme. And God has a very high regard for dads. Why is that? Because earthly fathers are the model of our relationship with God, our heavenly father. I love what Dr. James Lamb says said when he quoted this he said God loves fathers he is one and so his heart kind of connects with dads now before we look at Psalm 128 I want you to turn back to Psalm chapter 1 and I want to show you how the Psalms begin in Psalm chapter 1 Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord. In other words, the psalmist is kind of starting off on a negative standpoint. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow this advice, but they delight in the law of the Lord 
meditating on it. There's that word that we saw in Psalm 145, meditating on it. How often? Day and night. And then verse 3, they are like trees planted along the riverbank. Or as the NIV says, they, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Now, I want to show you something. There is something symbolic about a man being symbolized to like a tree. And do you see what the psalmist says? They are like trees planted along the riverbank. Or they're right there by where streams of living water are taking place. Do you remember the words of Jesus in John chapter 7, verse 38? He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow where? From within him. And so here's the symbolic thing. In our life, as we are planted right there by streams of living water, just as Jesus has ushered in the water to us, you know what, in, in re retrospect, you know what he's saying to us? He wants us to be channels of his blessings. Okay? And so as we're planted, people are going to look at us and they're going to see a good tree, they're going to see a bad tree. Now, when you see a dead tree somewhere on your property, what do you do with that tree eventually? You cut it down. You get rid of it. Because the life within that tree is gone. There is nothing as ugly as looking at a dead tree, right? There is nothing more beautiful than to look at a beautiful tree. And God says, when you are like that tree, men, and you are planted by streams of living water, just as God, just through his son Jesus, has said that streams of living water will flow within you, I pray that you can see your life as a channel of blessings that come from God. That when your kids see you, they see a channel of blessing coming from God. That when your wife sees you and that you model before your family, this is who God wants me to be. It is no accident that the Psalms begin that way because all throughout the Psalms what, what we begin to realize is that true satisfaction involves not enjoying oneself, but taking delight in a relationship with the one who created me. And you see that all throughout the Psalms, and you even see that little phrase, how they meditate on it day and night. Man, I wonder, in your life, do you meditate on Scripture? Do you meditate on it to a point that when... Not that, you know, every time your family sees you, they see you just like this. But when they see your life, can they notice and can they tell, here is a man who is firmly rooted right here in the Word of God. 
Here is a man who is firmly rooted in a deep, loving relationship with his creator. God has created us to make a difference. And so, look in Psalm 128 and notice this thought, how it kind of parallels with that of Psalm 1. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. That is the Lord's blessing for those who fear him. May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. And may you live to enjoy your grandchildren. May Israel have peace. Going back to Psalm 145, do you remember how the phrase was, from one generation to another, what do they tell? They tell of all the mighty acts of God. They tell of all the wonderful deeds of God. And here in Psalm 128, he's saying not only will this be a blessing from you to your children, but in time it will also be a blessing so that you can live to enjoy your grandchildren. What a thought. It's not by accident. That's from the divine hand of God saying, this will happen to you. This will happen to the man who follows my ways and who walks with me day in and day out. And so I want to pose the question as we look through Psalm 128 briefly this morning. What can fathers do to obtain? What can fathers do to grab a hold of that blessing of God and not just keep it to yourself, but as Jesus reminds us, to be a channel of blessing to somebody else? Well, do you see the first thing? Godly fathers have to want their homes to succeed. Notice the location of the blessing. That location says Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. And so one location is it takes place within your home. And the second place is around your table. Now, let's stop and think about something for a minute. We live in such a fast world and fast-paced society today. You know what I'm afraid of? We have lost sight of what it looks like and what it means to sit down at a table with your family and even look at one another because we are always on the go. We're always going from one place to the next, and so most of the time, what are we doing? We are in drive through restaurants, picking up fast food and taking to the house and just kind of putting it out there and scrounging around and scarfing down food. Folks, listen, do, I know men. Do we like to eat that way? No. We like to sit down at a table. We like to take our time and we like to enjoy that. What the psalm is saying here is you need to understand that around your table and within your home is where blessings are passed down. They're not passed down going from one restaurant to another. 
They're passed down around that table within the house so you can tell story after story after story. And I'm even going to throw this in this morning from my sermon on fasting a few weeks ago. It is time when we gather at the table to eat as a family, it is past time that cell phones be put up. Can I get a round of applause on that? I used to be the world's worst, and I've got to say this for my own family's sake. I used to be the world's worst when I would go into a restaurant and eat lunch with somebody. I always had my phone because I thought, I've got to take that call. I've got to answer that phone call. And you know what? Most of the time now, I would say 98% of the time, my phone stays in my truck. And I can check the message or take the call or call back. Because you know what? Folks, it is rude. It is rude when you're around the table in your house and you're trying to enjoy a conversation or a meal to say, I'll be right back. Now, I know emergencies take place. I get that, okay? I'm saying all in all, we're on the gadgets way too much. I'm at a baseball game this past, uh, well, a few days ago. I don't remember now. Monday night, I think. And I'm sitting there next to a friend of mine in the community, and we're sitting there talking, and he's on his phone. Mine is in the truck. And, uh, and I looked around, and I looked at him, and I said, Hey, Jeff, look at something real quick. I said, I just counted. There's 35 people at this ball game, and at least 20 people are on their phone. And so instead of being tuned in to the baseball field, here's what everybody's doing. Put it down. Enjoy the time watching your kid. Because you know what? He may just throw the best pitch ever. He may just catch the best ball ever. Or he may drop it. I don't know. But you don't need to miss out on that. You can send the text or answer it later. I'm telling you, church, blessings will come when we are tuned in with each other. Blessings will come when we are tuned in with God. And this psalmist here in Psalm 128, I think he's on to something here. That location is so vital around the table within your home. And do you see what's going to happen your wife's going to be like a fruitful vine, and your sons are going to be like olive shoots around your table. That's good, okay? Those are good symbolic things right there. Those are things that we want to happen. Those are things that we do not want to miss out on. And sometimes we need to realize that outside of our jobs, recreation and possessions and other things sometimes take precedence over family. And you know what? I'm going to say it this morning. That is dead wrong. It is always wrong to put something else above God and family. And so I don't know where you are this morning, and this is to the whole church. So, man, I'm not just beating up on you. I'm asking all of us as people of faith to do this. What is it in my life, what is it in my life that I am placing before God and my family? Now, only you can fill in the blank, and I don't know what it is for you, 
And don't say to yourself, there's nothing there because you're lying right here in the church house. There is something there with all of us. What is it that you're placing before God and before family that you need to repent of? That you need to say, you know what? No more. God and family are going to be the most important thing to me and all this other stuff is just going to have to wait or it's going to have to fall into line from third place on down. Okay? There was a story told that William Willimon told about an adult Sunday school class where they were studying about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. And the teacher asked this question. He said, I just wonder, how are we tempted today? And this young salesman was the first to speak up. And he said, temptation is when your boss calls you in, as mine did yesterday, and says, I'm going to give you a real opportunity. I'm going to give you a bigger sales territory because we believe you're going to be places that nobody else has ever gone before. And we think that you are the man to do this. Here's what he says. I don't want a bigger sales territory, the young salesman told his boss. I'm already away from home four nights a week, and it wouldn't be fair to my wife and my daughter, and I'm really not interested in that promotion. Look, boss says, we're asking you to do this for your wife and daughter. I mean, don't you want to be a good father? I mean, don't you want to make more money? I mean, don't you? And he just went on and on and on, and he says, I'm only asking you to do this for them. And the young man paused and then told his class, Now that's temptation. But it took a man of courage to say, For my wife and my child, I'm saying no. When I would venture to say that nine times out of ten, a man would say, You bet. I'm all over that, not even really thinking of the repercussions that might come because all we see is bigger and better. In order to have a God-blessed home, fathers, listen to me, you've got to make home a priority. And that begins sometimes by saying, no, I'm not interested in that, and here's why. Another thing I noticed in this psalm, it emphasizes a phrase that we see repeated a lot throughout the psalms. And that phrase is, walking with God. Look again at the first verse. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in His ways. And so as we go through Scripture, here are the phrases similar to that that we see. Walking before God walking in his ways, walking in his love, walking in his ordinances, walking in his statutes. Do you see the whole idea of this? The whole point is that we should want to walk with God. First and foremost, above everything else, can you say right now in your life, man and woman, boy and girl, can you say, I want to walk with God above all else? If you can't say that this morning, priorities are out of line. If you can't say this morning, I want to walk with God first and foremost, I am begging you, check where your priority lists are. Get them 
in tune, get them connected with, get them lined up with God. And so back in Genesis, we're told that God comes down, and you remember at the very beginning of time, he walks with Adam in the cool of the evening. There's an old hymn that has always reminded me of that time that God and Adam had in the garden. You remember the song, I Come to the Garden Alone? And do you remember this line in it right here? Sing this with me. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. Repeat that. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. I want you to think about that phrase. I am his. Wow. Men, model that before this world. I am his. When you model that, you're not just giving lip service to it. And you're sowing within the very being of your life that I'm his. When you get that down, you're going to understand what it means to love on your family. You can't help but miss that when you realize the love that God has for you. A man named Larry Crabb tells a story about watching his father pray when he was only four years old. It was a Sunday morning, and there were about 50 people gathered in the little church house. And they were focusing that morning their service around the Lord's Supper. And so with just 50 people, they could do this. They circled their chairs around the table. So they were focused a whole hour with the sacraments sitting there covered with a white cloth. And they were sitting right there on that table in the middle. You see, the arrangement was intentional. It spoke of Christ being at the center of everything. And so as, any, as most four-year-olds like to do, this particular four-year-old was lying down on the floor. And this is him as an adult telling this story. And he said, I remember as a four-year-old looking at my dad and watching my dad during that service. And he said, even now the memory is clear as I think to myself. He actually thinks that he is talking to someone. That's what the four-year-old is thinking as he's watching his dad talking to God. And whenever, whoever it means more to him than anyone else. And so from from the floor, that four-year-old realized that who he's talking to right now means more to him than anybody in the world. 
What a picture. What an example. So, man, I ask you this morning, when your family sees you, can they see that you're living out that God is more important to you than anyone else? What a message. And men, I don't say that to beat us up. I say that as a blessing from God to you to pass that message on to your family. That whoever sees you, they see, man, here is a man who is in love with God. Can we do that? And so, man, I'm going to ask you to do something right now. And I know you're probably going to beat me up for this, but I really don't care. I want you to stand up for a moment. And I'm going to say a prayer of blessing. Go ahead. Let's not all stand at once. I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over men. And Alan, you're right. I'm on the team. And a lot of times we get beat up for not being the man that we need to be. And maybe sometimes we need to hear that. I don't know. But I'll say this. Instead of looking at it as getting beat up, let's look at it as here's a blessing from God to me, to you, on the kind of man that we need to be. So let's pray. So Father, this morning I pray a special prayer over all the men that are standing right now. And Father, I pray that you would bless us I pray, Father, that you would help us in our daily walk with you. Help us to live out that we are yours. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. And, Father, thank you for calling us in our role of men to lead and to be the example in our families and in the church, and in the workplace, and wherever we are, may we be the man that you have called us to be. Thank you, Father, for the rich example that we see all the way through Scripture of what a father looks like, and what a father is to say, and what a father is to do and how a father is to act we see that example in you our heavenly father and so i pray a blessing right now on all of us as men and i pray that you would walk with us and we walk with you from day to day in jesus name we pray amen now i want the rest of the church to go ahead and stand and join the men and Alan's going to come and lead us in a song. It's a song of invitation. It's a song this morning where I'm inviting you to think about your own walk with God. And if there is anything we can do to encourage you in that walk, we want to do that this morning as we sing this song.